I am a perpetual traveler through the Bible. Please join me for the next part of my journey through the Scriptures. Stay as long as you like and let us together discover a bit more about the Bible. As we have progressed through the book of Revelation over the past 37 episodes of the Journey Through the Scriptures podcast, we have come to the realization that the return of Jesus could be only a few years away, or even less than that. In the last podcast, we saw the prophesied climax of history, that is, the second coming of Jesus, in visible power and glory to reclaim the earth from the devil. He is coming to end the domain of evil among men and to fulfill the promise of an earthly kingdom that he made over two millennia ago. Chapter 20 is one of the most important chapters in the whole of the Bible. In every way, it is a climactic chapter, bringing us to the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth in his coming glory, in his kingdom. His kingdom is the climax. It is the completion of God's plan of redemption as it unfolds in this world, and therefore it is also the completion of all human history. This is the day that was described by the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 23, verses 5 and 6, with these words. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. It is during this time that Jesus Christ will reign fully as King of kings and Lord of lords over the whole of creation. This thousand-year kingdom, or the millennial kingdom as it is known, is really the end of human history, and the end of the present universe as we know it. After the thousand-year kingdom is completed, everything in creation will be completely destroyed because it has been corrupted by sin. Even though Christ is reigning here, He is still reigning over a renewed and a regenerated and a restored earth and universe, but not a recreated one, because it still bears the corruption of sin. After the thousand years is over, the Lord Jesus will completely destroy the universe, and create a new heaven and the new earth untouched by sin of any kind, and that is the fullness of God's eternal paradise. Revelation 20 starts very dramatically in the first three verses. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and the great chain, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were ended. After that he must be released for a little while. It is very important to understand that there is really no chapter break between chapters 19 and 20. In the original Greek scriptures, this account continues without a break to what follows the return of the Lord Jesus. When the books of the Bible were originally written, they did not contain chapter or verse references. The Bible was divided into chapters and verses to help us find scriptures more quickly and easily. For instance, it is much easier to find John chapter 3 verses 16 than it is to find, For God so loved the world. In some places, like between chapters 19 and 20 of Revelation, 
the chapter breaks were poorly placed, dividing content that should flow together. Overall, the chapter and verse divisions are very helpful. The chapter divisions that we see in Bibles today were created by Stephen Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury, in 1227. The Wycliffe English Bible of 1382 was the first Bible to use these chapter divisions and all our modern Bible translations still follow Archbishop Langton's chapters. In the passage that we have just read, Revelation 20 verses 1 to 3, the phrase a thousand years appears twice. It actually occurs six times throughout the whole chapter. The word millennium comes from the Latin millae annum, which means a thousand years. This is the passage that teaches clearly and distinctly about the thousand years of peace that has yet to come upon the earth. This passage is at the heart of two differing views of end-time events, namely premillennialism and amillennialism. Premillennials take this passage literally and believe that the thousand-year reign of Christ will come upon the earth and that it will be a fulfillment of many Old Testament prophecies concerning the earthly reign of Christ. The amillennials, where A at the beginning means no or none, are non-millennialists. They believe that this event is currently being fulfilled. They say that there will be no thousand-year reign of Christ to come. But this is a picture of the present age of the church and is being fulfilled in a metaphorical or figurative way. They say the binding of Satan which is mentioned here took place at the cross when Jesus overcame Satan and he has been bound ever since, throughout the history of the church. Let us look at what Jesus says in Luke 11 verses 21 to 22. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Jesus did describe Satan here as a strong man, fully armed, guarding his own palace. The goods here signify the whole human race. Both amillennials and premillennials believe that Satan is in control of this world today. After all, Paul called him the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4 verses 4. But Jesus said that he was the one stronger in Luke 11 who could overcome him and take away his armor in which he trusted and divide his spoil. So there was a binding of Satan that took place at the cross. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 2 verses 15 says that Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in it, the cross. There was a time when Jesus indeed did bind Satan. And the amillennials say that this chapter is talking about that event and it is a flashback to the binding of Satan at the cross. Amillennial theology makes the church Israel, maintaining that all the promises to Israel of a future kingdom are fulfilled in the church. In other words, we are the spiritual Israel and there is no future for Israel as a nation. The church age is the only kingdom there is and when it is over, Jesus will come. The amillennial view takes a spiritualized rather than a literal interpretation of chapter 20 and also rejects the chronology of Revelation. But this scripture indicates that the binding or restraining of Satan at the cross was only valid when applied in faith. It was only true for those who believe in Jesus. 
James instructed Christians to resist the devil and he will flee from you, in James 4 verses 7. In other words, Satan's power will not be able to control us as believers. He is restrained, bound, restricted with regard to us, if we believe. But that restraint does not help those who do not believe in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 4 verses 4, Paul states, The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There is a power to blind which Satan exercises right now. Peter, writing to the Christians in Rome, said, Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Even Christians need to believe in order to oppose the devil. Satan is bound only by faith, and in that sense, that is the binding of the devil that is occurring today. But now notice the difference in the binding here in Revelation 20. It is quite distinct. Firstly, it was not done at the cross, but it follows the second coming of our Lord. It is clearly related to that event which closes chapter 19, and remember that there is no chapter break here in the original scriptures. This binding of Satan occurs after Jesus appears in visible glory. Secondly, the binding was not done by Jesus. It is done by an angel whom Jesus sends, and he binds Satan with a great chain. It must have been a very powerful angel indeed, possibly Michael the archangel. Thirdly, the angel not only binds Satan with a chain, which is a metaphor of restraining him, but he throws him into the abyss and locks and seals the door. What is the abyss? In 2 Peter 2 verses 4, Peter describes the abyss. He says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into the pit, or the abyss, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. The abyss is a pit of darkness reserved for judgment. It is the place where demons are sent to be, reserved for their final sentencing to the lake of fire. But it is not the final hell. You might recall in Luke 8 verses 31, when the Lord Jesus was casting out the demons in the demoniac legion, that the demons begged Jesus not to command them to depart into the abyss. So the abyss is not the final eternal lake of fire, but it is a place of torment, a place of punishment, out of the presence of God, a temporary prison where God sends demons and where, in this case, he binds Satan. There are four separate symbols here that we must not miss. It is not merely a binding. Firstly, the symbol of the chain speaks of a severe restraint. It is not an actual chain, but what it actually symbolizes is literal. Satan is a spiritual being and you cannot bind a spiritual being with an actual chain. The chain is a symbol of extreme restraint. That is the absolute limiting of his power and ability to function. Secondly, he is not only bound, but he is thrown into the abyss which signifies a total removal from the earth. Remember in chapter 9 when we saw an angel come with a key to the abyss and open it, and out of it came a horde of demonic beings who poured out onto the earth. The abyss here is separate from earth, 
so if Satan is thrown into it, it signifies a total removal from the earth. Thirdly, the angel shuts the door of the abyss and locks it, which means it is impossible to be opened from inside. If you are locked inside a room, you cannot get out yourself. This is the meaning of the abyss being locked or shut. Fourthly, the angel then seals it over, so it is impossible to open from without. No power can break through to release Satan during this time. He is totally removed from earth and permitted no access to it for 1,000 years. Revelation 20 verses 3 says that after the mighty angel throws Satan into the abyss, that the abyss was shut and sealed over him. So Satan is chained with a great chain. He is locked into the abyss with a key. The abyss is shut and sealed so that the world cannot be influenced or deceived by Satan. For a thousand years, the whole world will be influenced only by Christ. So what is the reason for a millennium after Jesus comes back? The answer is simple. A thousand years of peace and blessing is to demonstrate beyond question a fact that no one wants to believe. And that is that we belong to a fallen race and everyone is born with a basically evil nature. No one wants to believe that. Our society is based upon the idea that we all have a basically good nature with some potential for evil, but scripture does not teach that. Without a doubt, much of the evil in the world does come from the devil, and that is why he must be removed for a thousand years before worldwide peace can come. But not all evil comes from the devil. Jeremiah declares in chapter 17 verses 9 that The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That is why everyone needs salvation. We are desperate and hopeless without it. There is always a strain of evil within us and it affects everything that we do. And it is very hard for people to believe. I can see it in my own life and I struggle with it all the time. I know what wickedness I am capable of. I struggle with the same things that you struggle with. Everyone does. The biblical picture of man is accurate. We are born with a fallen nature and the millennium will prove that to be true. No one will doubt it from then on. Amazingly, there will still be people who will still reject Christ even though they are living in that marvelous kingdom itself. This shows the depth of sin. The point that I want to make here is that in the middle of verse 3 it says, All of this is done to Satan so that he might not deceive the nations any longer. Satan's deceptions are over. So, if people reject Christ, it will not be because they are deceived. It will be because they love their iniquity. We live in a disintegrating world. Nothing will stay the same and things will not get better. They are getting worse and they will keep getting worse until our Lord Jesus comes. We must agree with John and say, even so, come Lord Jesus. This is David Wiles, your fellow traveler in Christ and this has been the Journey Through the Scriptures podcast. Episode 55.